theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like an old paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer at McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? They get the metric system. Welcome to the Hookup on Film with Adam and Tony. Hello and welcome to today's episode. We are going to have a great, great time today. We are going to be joined here in a few minutes by the great Hans and JP from the Action Book Movie Club. Going to be really, really, really going to be covering a lot of different things. Um, First off, we're going to be talking some great um, Jason Statham. Make sure you don't end up owing him. Because then you're in his debt, which means you're in his pocket. And once you're in that, you ain't ever coming out. And he will be facing off in the beginning against the great Gerard Butler. This is Sparta! Amazing. It's going to be a really, really, really good beginning. Uh, And we're going to have a lot. And then after that, we're going to get some Arnold quotes going. It's going to be a really, really good time. So thank you so much for joining us. No one cares but me. And that doesn't matter. I want everyone to see it. (laughs) It's going to be a good time tonight. We're going to have a lot of laughs. Yeah, that's good because that means uh, our our quote, our uh, scenes, our Arnold scenes will be able to be heard. I got I got Arnold, I got some Jason Statham, I got it all oh. lined up. I got it all lined up here for us. Oh man, plus I watched Wrath of Man for plus, the first plus, time today. Plus what, you, plus what you got, we're gonna be we're gonna be smoking. It's gonna be great. Is that Jape? Hello. Hey. Hello. Yo, hello. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can't help it. Oh, it's the last one, I promise. That's good. <laughs> Um, let me see. Oh my gosh. I've never recorded on here. I'm just kind of getting a lay of the land. I clear my throat a lot. So I was just seeing ways I could try to like mute myself. <clears throat> I like no, that. Wasn't you, it. You, you keep that in there. I like that. Oh, okay. You got <laughs> it. You got it. it. It gives it a more, you know, it's a real, it's a real feel, you know, of you course. Know, talking of so course. much stuff. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Thanks for having us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for oh, yeah, he's us. way more polite than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Hans, as a noted Yankee fan, you must be happy with the trade deadline that the Yankees Jeez, had. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Get uh, started right out, right, right that's, out of the game. That's, yeah. that's hurtful and uncalled for. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You're talking to two White Sox fans, hurtful. so. I don't. Yeah. We, know, we know pain. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But you got Eloy we, back. We, we that's hurt. that's like getting a trade, right? That's the lie you tell yourself. 
Yeah, that's yeah. As I look in the mirror, I cry in the shower. Yeah, well, I don't know what my team is doing. They they traded away their good catcher and then traded for Tommy Pham and Eric Hosmer for some reason. Like, what are you doing? You 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 got our backup catcher who likes to uh, pleasure himself in parking lots. So that's oh better. perfect. To fit right in. I in a jersey tomorrow. X. Oh Lord. <laughs> Well, why don't you get started, my friend? All right, we have an action-packed show on the hookup. We have both Hans and JP from the Action Movie Book Club. Thank you guys for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. I'm mean, a current guest right here. Yeah, I know. Despite <laughs> the fact that we have this is Hans' second appearance. Two times. Two times. Two times, fool. Before uh, <laughs> we've had my appearance on your show. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. Yeah, it's great. Just put that on the back burner after that Yankees comment. You just... <laughs> yeah, you're banned. <laughs> completely fair. Completely fair. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I know. All right. All right. To keep up with our guests, we have a buttload of action topics that we are going to discuss today. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, uh, in honor of one of the greatest action movie stars of all time, Arnold Schwarzenegger's 75th birthday, Ooh. we're going to be talking about our favorite Arnold scene. We're going to discuss our favorite female action performer. A mm-hmm. uh, couple weeks ago, it was the 40th anniversary of The Thing. So why not a few oh. weeks late go into a deep dive about John Carpenter? Oh. If I was a carpenter, yeah, it's like Jesus. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, it's my understanding that Hans's best friends is Julia Butters, so we're going to be talking about the gray man again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then speaking of the gray man, we're going to be talking about Billy Bob Thornton. The uh, question posed to me is, what are your thoughts on Billy Bob Thornton? BBC. Oh. <laughs> I have some. I Same. Uh, we're going to be talking about our favorite movies that take place on water. We're going to be talking about our favorite movies. It's an adaptation of a comic, and apparently Hans is going to tell us why they're good or bad. I don't know how that mm, bit works. I sure mm-hmm. and, uh, we're they're mostly talking... bad. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear how bad they are. Well, I mean, it's basically just pick any movie that made over $100 million over the past 20 years, and Chances are it was based on a comic book. Yeah, there's one or two mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. She's from. And we're going to be talking about our favorite coming of age movies, Ooh. which is, I feel like, the exact opposite of an action movie. Yeah. I'm yeah, still not of age, game. so this will be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But we, so start off, <laughs> we start off every movie podcast on here on The Hookup with a movie battle. And instead of an actual movie versus, we are talking about two action actors, Jason Statham versus Gerard Butler. Uh, Hans, you recently said that uh, you saw Wrath of Man today, so it's perfect segue into talking about Statham versus Butler. Yeah, so I was firmly in. This didn't change my my take my my pick, but I was firmly in the Jerry Butler camp. Man, Wrath of Man, he's he's something else. Statham is just I didn't completely follow what was going on because I really wasn't I was like half paying attention. So I don't really know why he was so good or why he was doing what he did, but I really enjoyed watching him do what he did. 
it's hilarious after you said you were watching it i'm like i gotta watch this movie again and i also started a little bit i was doing this and that and i started missing it but then i started i I read and then i started following it so there's a lot going on um adam you want to give a little bit of a backstory real quick uh, the backstory is that it was streaming on Amazon Prime, and I heard it was good, so I also watched it this past week. <laughs> and, uh, fair, um, fair point. But there's also I was thinking because there's for, Wrath of Man is like it's good, but it was weird in the sense that it feels like it's two different movies in one. And one mm-hmm. of the movies that's in there feels like it's Den of Thieves. The whole um, the oh, shit, the I heist. Forgot everything. Yeah, like the heist, the plan, they're planning like a heist from the the armored car. I was I was trying to think of like Jeff- eight heists that were all the same in this movie. Like yeah. at a certain point, when a cement truck pulls up in front of you, like just just don't stop. That happened about eight times. Like they're not just telling everybody else that works at this company that when that happens, maybe you're getting robbed. How many times did that happen? Over. Between Wrath of Man and Den of Thieves, it it feels like it's like not that hard to rob an armored truck. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Honestly, halfway through, I was like, could I pull this off? Of course. And I feel like they say, you know, in LA, there's there's a bank robbery every 10 minutes. (laughs) I've lived in LA for 13 years. I've never heard of one bank robbery or armored truck robbery. So. I, there's so many plex. There was so much plexiglass and computers and like die packs and they, they, they mark the bills. Like uh, who does this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was at the bank about a month ago and a guy tried to cash a, a phony check and they just basically like laughed him out of there. <laughs> like they know what the fuck they're doing. Well, sometimes uh, I, I was supposed to get power tangent. I was supposed to get power of attorney <laughs> over my friend who uh, back in like 2015. 13 10, no 2009 uh who went to iraq and uh, he owed me money so i had he get he had all these papers signed so i had power of attorney and i just walked in and they didn't check anything they just let me withdraw like a thousand dollars from his account the next time i went in there they're like yeah that shouldn't have happened <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> so sometimes they're on point <laughs> did you like then you're saying den of thieves was better uh honestly the action in wrath of man was better like that first scene with statham oh yeah i mean it's unbelievable like it caught me off guard and that's not easy to do uh, you know i mean guy Ritchie, he's a really you know good director you know i mean statham, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. statham this was him first, at his finest yeah i mean and statham's first two movies are guys Ritchie movies so you're saying you know i mean den of thieves is good gerard butler's good you know, I mean, they're two different action stars, it feels mm-hmm. like. You know, I mean. They do a lot of the same thing, but they're so wildly different. That's, yeah, that's my, that was my take on it, too, is that, you know, Statham, in just terms of, like, an action star, he's definitely more compelling. But I feel like if you put, like, just acting versatility up, Butler's Butler can carry, you know, a drama, he's, we've known he's really funny too but like action you know you got transporter you got fast and the furious you've got crank um i haven't seen wrath of man yet it's on my super short list because even though guy Ritchie has put out a few stinkers in the last year few years i am still a huge fan of his so 
Guy, yeah, I will I, say Guy Ritchie is like I feel like getting back on point with both Wrath of Man and the Gentleman that he made before mm-hmm. this. Yes, he's like now either. the Gentleman is sound. The Gentleman is good. I've heard good things. Mm-hmm. I saw that and I I loved it. Charlie yeah. Hunnam's great. Hugh Grant's awesome. Great I, cast. Like he was, I mean, he cashed in. He made those like Sherlock Holmes movies. He did the the what did he did the Man from Uncle, Aladdin. I mean, yeah, for some reason he's he did Aladdin. I don't. I, mean, <laughs> I think he's again, directing another Disney um, live action remake as well. You know what? Good for him. Make all yeah, the money in the world. Mouse bucks. Yeah, yes. if Disney is going to pay you to make these like terrible movies, then by all means take that money. But yeah, he's a. Uh, before mm. when Hans was last on the show, we were talking about. Um, oh my god, I have the worst fucking brain farts. Who directed uh, Total Recall? Verhoeven. Verhoeven. Thank you. Verhoeven. So we were talking about, um, <laughs> like you know, Verhoeven like great director runs, and it also led me to think of like who's like great directors that pair with actors, like who's great director actor duos, and Statham's work with Guy Ritchie. You know, Tony mentioned those first two of Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, and Snatch, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, then Revolver, and now Wrath of Man. Like, Jathan Statham is kind of like a one-note actor, but man, that mm-hmm. note fucking that's, sings. That's oh, yeah. That's up there as, as, a, as one of the better runs of director and actor that I never mm-hmm. would have thought of, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. You could say that, or you could, you know, say another one on that we're going to discuss today, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. That's been a fantastic collaboration as well. Definitely. To be honest, if we were a more professional podcast, that would just be our segue. But, uh... <laughs> well, I'll... I'll... Statham, Jerry Butler is my pick. I mean, he made the whole "Is Fallen" trilogy that shouldn't have been a franchise out of nothing. Yes. Um, have you seen a little thing called Geostorm? Oh my uh, yeah. god. <laughs> and my personal favorite, Gamer. Gamer. Ooh. Gamer is the weirdest thing that shouldn't exist. It's like part Death Race 2000, part like I I don't even know. It's just a little it's, upsetting at times. It, it's very upsetting. <laughs> well, he stars in one of my favorite Guy Ritchie movies, Rock and Rolla. He's really good in that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one with Tom yeah. Hardy. and Yeah, I mean, that one's low. Yeah. Idris Elba, Mark Strong, yeah. loaded with, with lots mm-hmm. of different people. Um, I also unironically love Geostorm. <laughs> I think it's hey, fantastic. You know what? That's, you know, I love Roadhouse. You know, we all love movies. That, oh, that, did that, you guys that, see the news today? Yeah, sadly, I did. Oh, but, you know, what? Uh, yeah. I didn't well, I'll, wait, I'll wait to hold reserve. You know, I, uh-huh. I know it's bad, and I know it's not really meant to be remade. But Gyllenhaal's made some good movies, so you know, I'll wait. Wait, they're see. they're remaking it. They're they're remaking it, but they're imagining it him as being like a former UFC fighter who becomes a bouncer at a at a bar, but not everything is what it seems. Ooh. I mean, that makes more sense than him just being like a celebrity bouncer that everyone knows across the country <laughs> for no reason. Hey, like have hey. you ever known the name of a bouncer? Hey, now he, got, he you might not know it. You, you might not know this, but he got caught in a geostorm once before showing up bouncing. It was huge. <laughs> I hope Jerry was there to save him. He was Jerry. Jerry, he was in his three hundred gear. Ready, ready. <laughs> oh, I even forgot about three hundred. 
I, I know when I was looking at him, I forgot about that also for some reason. Oh, so great. Zack Snyder at his finest. Um, Dra- I feel like I, really li- I liked oh, no. him first in Dracula 2000. That was- oh, that was one of his first yeah. major roles, I remember. Yep, yep, yep. But go on. Do you guys remember a couple years ago before Bruce Willis got sick, he made like 10, like basically VOD movies? Yeah. Oh, he made more than 10. <laughs> he, made, he made many. I, f- I feel they like. called them the geezer teasers. Geezer teasers. <laughs> I feel like Gerard Butler was like the king of that before Bruce Willis did. Like mm-hmm. those Fallen series and Law Abiding Citizen. And the first two them- Fallens are fucking fun. The third one is nonsensical, but I stand by those. Oh, but I feel like he, he makes these like low budget action movies that feel like they should go straight to DVD, but they get released in March and turns out mm-hmm. they make like $75 million because there's no other movies in the theater. Jared Butler. I don't know if you've seen some of those Bruce Willis movies, but <laughs> there is a stark difference between uh, that they, he's basically got an earpiece in his ear and he's there for maybe a day, usually not with any other actors. And it's, painfully obvious that he's not he could care fucking less it's, i also heard that half the time he's just he's sitting in a chair like he can't even bother to be standing in the yeah. scene oh he was in rain of fire too come on that's a good movie now that's a that's a good love movie. rain of fire rain and, of McConaughey and yeah that's oh, a good movie and christian bale get out of here that's a, that's a classic oh my god we've done that we did that recently on the wow. show I love that movie. When so he much. jumps with that axe, so yeah, it's oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> so you're going Jared Butler, okay? You got Jared oh, Butler yeah, too, all the way. I mean, it's tough because if we're going on pure action, I say Statham. But like, if we want to say all around actor, I probably say Butler too. Yeah. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I second that. But I mean, if you're going just pure action, like those transporter movies and Crank. Mm. And those like the work I've he never did. seen Crank. Oh man, Crank! It's fucking crazy. I, I've been saving it. Like I, I have these gaps, and I know we'll do them at some point. So I don't want to watch them till then. And that's one of them. I really liked him in the first Mechanic. He's pretty good. Oh, in yeah. The, he's good in the Meg. I mean, for what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, that's it's, the it's, giant shark, right? Yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know the Italian Job. He's good in the Italian Job. Mm-hmm. Um, collateral. Oh yeah, he's in it for like two seconds yes. at the very beginning. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, Ghost of Mars is good too. Um. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would definitely. I, I, I mean, Jared Butler, like we said, the better actor. But I mean, Statham, man, he's classic, ridiculous. Yeah, I'll go mm-hmm. with Statham just to give him a just to give him a little bit of an edge. We lost Hans. Hopefully, he'll be back in a second. Oh no! You know what? We yeah. have we have so much stuff that we got to cover mm-hmm. and we're definitely a hundred percent not getting to everything that I just discussed at the very beginning. <laughs> so anyways, right. he's back anyway, but on. I was going to say, yeah, let's move on to so speaking of action stars. Let's now discuss probably the greatest that's ever done it. Arnold friggin' Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, what's your favorite Arnold scene? <sighs> it's, it's such a tough one because he's definitely one of my favorites. And I feel like of all the action stars, I've seen his movies the most. So I feel like we were talking about this earlier because we just. Oh, is that yours? I couldn't hear. 
What? Hope you Hello? didn't change your mind because I got it loaded up. Oh no, do it, we... do it. Okay, so Josh has mine loaded up. I'm yeah. pretty sure this is the right button. Can you hear me? Nope, it's this one. <laughs> when the man was killed, you must have wanted it. Its blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my favorite one. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. It's just I it's mean, honestly, a great in movie. movie. In that movie uh, alone, um, I mean, he's got so many deep just words he says, like in Commando, mm -hmm. where he goes, you know, um, don't bother my friend. He's dead tired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, he's got those one-liners that are, that, are, that are great. We did Predator as our 100. Like... How much we love it. Oh, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, it's funny, as I looked at my father-in-law this weekend, who's, like, in his late 60s, and I'm like, yep, Arnold's 75. He's like, he is? Like, yeah, you know, he took care of himself, you know, yeah. because, uh, he's, you know, I mean, he's, I mean, he can't believe he's 75 already, but, you know, that's crazy. Classic lines. Cause didn't Stallone huh? just turn 70 or 71 or something like that? Yeah. Too? Yep. 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 Oh man. These guys God, and they're I still know. doing it. They're still, they're still putting out expendables movies, you know? Oh God. <laughs> Getting mad that they're coming out with a, a Creed, another Creed spinoff, Drago or whatever they announced yesterday. Um, I saw yeah. that. I wonder how that's going to be. Should be should be interestingly something. Um, don't worry though. Um, Dolph Lundgren, okay, Sly, that it's not a cash grab. So as long as Dolph says it, we're all good. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really believe him. <laughs> yes, he doesn't need the money at all. No. I love how Dolph is like a rocket scientist, also like. Dolph is, Dolph is uh, he's got some good, uh, some really good 80s um, and early 90s action, action. But he also has like advanced degrees. Like he's like legitimately. He's a genius, like yes. a literal yeah. genius. So you guys are going both with Predator. What do you got? No, Andy? that's not what I'm going with. Okay. What do you got, JP? Mine is. Hey, Killian. <laughs> huh? He is Sub Zero. Now, plane zero. <laughs> okay, that makes no sense, by the way. I love it. And a little aside, my this is by far my greatest regret in my entire life. Someone texted me, hey, it's Killian. And I didn't <laughs> respond with that. And it haunts me to this day. I, I literally think about this every Every single day that I didn't say that. I, it, <laughs> I'll never get over it. The second I, I text back wrong number, I was like, oh, no. I'll never have this option again. Fuck that. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's that that would have been a perfectly placed, perfectly placed line. <sighs> um, mm -hmm. What did you what did you pick, Adam? All right. So the, before I say my pick, um, that reminds me, I was uh, having like uh, hanging out with my in-laws at their house one time, and uh, they were talking about their uh, dog who got sick. And um, at one point, my mother-in-law said, "Is uh, you know, man, I hope it's not a tumor." So I go, "It's not a tumor." <laughs> well played, sir. 
See, right, you so, capitalized. You I don't did. have that regret. Okay, I'm going to – this is not for, the, the scene I'm picking. <laughs> um, but, okay, let's – this is – it's from this movie. Let's see if I can – let this works. Baby. Hasta la vista, baby. Of course. <laughs> okay. The best ever. The best ever. Yeah, it's it's like the one of the greatest action movies, if not the single greatest action movie that's ever made. It's Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. The scene I picked is um the first chase scene with Robert Patrick uh with the um truck and he's chasing Edward Furlong and his little moped type thing and then Arnold comes along with his motorcycle and they're Giant going Harley the and the shotgun all the way he- Reloads that shotgun is so oh, horrible. Oh, man. I was, absolutely. I was just going to say, the way he reloads, like, just the most badass moment ever. It's just one hand. He just flips the shotgun, and, and then it oh. reloads. It's – actually, I watched the scene on YouTube, and it doesn't hold up just on its own because there's, like, very little score. Um, mm-hmm. But in the context of the movie, it's friggin' dope. But um, also rewatching the scene, Edward Furlong, he's on, like, this little toy motorcycle and for some reason is, like, outrunning – an actual semi for the longest time, which is uh, pretty He's impressive. He's on his little, that, little dirt bike. Which is very, very impressive, or Robert Patrick needs to learn how to drive, but um, yeah. still. I don't think they have cars dope. in the future, so. It's a shame. <laughs> There's too many skulls on the ground. They can't just, like. Seriously, those guys are having a hard time walking, let alone, <laughs> unless you got, like, a tank, tank treader. Yeah, you need treads. Mm-hmm. Tony, what are you picking? What's your Arnold scene? My Arnold scene? My Arnold. Oh, man, there's so many to pick. Um, mine is going to be at the end of Total Call when he throws the guy's arms down and says, see you at the party. <laughs> that would be my favorite scene in all of his movies. But so good. many, like you said. Uh, I almost went with a Total Recall because I love that movie. <sighs> and you got in. I mean, so good. I mean, it's generally the whole one of the quotes that I've been quoting a lot lately is when he uh, blabs about Mark. What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils? Huh? No. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. Let the girl go. It's me that you want. I have only one arm. You can beat me. Are you ever afraid? What's going on, buddy? What is going on? We're, we're restarting the car here. That was the second time I got booted, but uh, this time it was both of us. <laughs> All right, what do you say while we wait for uh, JP that we we just move on to um, our favorite female action performer? Sounds good. Why don't you start them off? What do you got? All right, so I am probably going to burn someone just because I feel like this is a super obvious choice. Yeah. But uh, I'm going with uh, Charlize Theron. Oh, Ooh. I didn't oh, expect it, that. Was that not super obvious? Oh. No. Okay. I expected I expected a Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, Ooh. that's probably number two. But um It's also my number two. 
I mean, Atomic Blonde, um, which was just, I think, like, kind of a fine movie. But I enjoyed the, that. Yeah, it's it's definitely solid. I'm not like super sh- shitting on it. Um, but the uh, hallway staircase fight scene that Theron has, um, that is basically like a oneer and takes like five minutes, and it has that you know Daredevil did it too, where it's just like you're out of touch, but like, and you're just, I know you're super tired, but you still gotta have another minute in, of fighting each other. And uh, it feels like I'm shitting on that's a pejorative, and I'm not because it's super dope. Um, yeah, it's great. She, she was also in the, I don't know if you saw the Netflix movie, she was in The Old Guard. Yep, that was based um, on the comic book. Yeah, uh, shocking. Right. I, I really liked that movie. I did too. I thought it, I thought it did a, a really good job of like, these people are supposed to be like hundreds of, or not thousands of years old. And like the trauma that would take on your body to like live that long. Yeah, in your um, mind. Yeah. And like that, that that one lady who was literally like drowning forever. It's like, oh, oh my yeah. god. I can't think of a worse hell than just like constantly drowning for a thousand years. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> and it also had um the dude from Harry Potter. Um Harry Potter's adopted brother plays the bad guy. And he's uh, actually turned into like a pretty good actor. Like he was in also that other Netflix movie called oh, was was a Tom Hardy one like not before the devil knows you're dead. The devil uh, all the time. Devil all the time. Thank you. I'm Holland. Tom, what did I say? Tom Hardy. <laughs> I'm just you know what. I, I like, got I you. Know, I, I, know. I know everything, and then like I spit it out, and it's just yeah. I have like the worst fucking brain farts whenever I do this podcast. It's not. I just great need like one word that's right, and I'll, I'll finish the sentence. You got Tom and Devil and Netflix, and boom. You nailed it, and I appreciate it. Um, but anyway, to round off the Charlize Theron action, I mean, Mad Max Fury Road, even though she doesn't do a whole lot of action herself, it's and just like one of the greatest. Oh, that's right. I mean, she's, she, I mean, I feel like that's a way for her to extend her career is just like make action movies now. Um, and she's freaking, she's the greatest. And she's in, she joined the MCU as well. Oh yeah, the the very very end again. Yeah, she's Charlize yeah. Theron. Make that money. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. She, yeah yeah. Charlize Theron is is definitely tops. I mean, she's definitely in the top. I would put her, especially now of newer actresses, definitely really good. Um, who'd you pick, Hans? So I mean. My pick, it couldn't go any other way. It's Nancy Allen from RoboCop. I love her. (laughs) She's the best, and she's my favorite, and she can do no wrong. Yeah, I mean, Nancy Allen is a great pick. I love her so much. She's so good as Officer Lewis. (laughs) I I love her so much. That's awesome. Uh, What else else do you like her in besides uh, RoboCop? Oh, that's all I know. RoboCop 1 and 2. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. It's Robocop or nothing. It's Robocop or nothing. I love I it. I think that's actually in my profile on Twitter. <laughs> it's Robocop or nothing. I like it. I like it. I like it. She's really Please. good. If you get a chance, she's really good in a, a pair of movies from 80 and 81 Dress to Kill and Blowout from Brian De Palma. She's really Ooh. awesome in those. She's oh, good. yeah. She's good in Carrie, too. Um, but uh, but it was I, close to Sigourney Weaver. I mean, her and the Alien movies. Oh, I know, like, Alien movies. Uh, yeah. Apparently, uh, there's a RoboCop three in which she's also in. 
Yeah, yeah. she's like the only person in it, and she's not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> Paycheck. Because it's a terrible movie. Yeah, I, I, I never I fault anyone for getting the bag. She's mm-hmm. an out of sight with uh, Steven Soderbergh's out of sight. Um, she's in quite a few little things here, um, but yeah, yes. that's a good pick. Good, good pick. I mean, you can't go wrong with Nancy Allen. No. Who do you got, JP? Um, Sigourney for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I still think she's like the most badass woman in all of you know cinema let alone like action cinema, you know, when she has the big machine gun at the end of aliens and it's just like Um, taped up with duct tape with a flamethrower. Oh, and just (laughs) fucking killing all those eggs. And then, (laughs) and then when she gets in the loader and she's like, get away from her, you bitch. It's just like, (laughs) bitch slaps. Oh, it's the best. Cause Um, that should be so corny. Like on paper mm -hmm. that's like, Oh, that's so stupid and corny, but it fucking works. Oh, it totally fucking works. Um, second though for me is probably Linda Hamilton from T two. She was Ooh, the most fucking badass her. chick in that. Yeah, she's definitely. Have you seen awesome. the newest one? I liked it. Dark. Fate. I have not. I did. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I kind of liked it. Um, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, you know, it's a lot better than I like it better than like Rise of the Machines, personally. Oh, but oh, have, have, have you seen the deleted scenes from that movie? Um, no, no, I have oh not. Oh my god, there's this unbelievable one where Arnold is like Colonel Candy, and he talks like this, and it's like <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. YouTube it. You you won't believe it until you see it. Yeah, I can't do it justice, and you'll be like, how? Is this the thing? It's unbelievable. You know, you know, that's a good pick though, Sigourney Weaver. I mean, the aliens movies. Um, trying to think of other action. Is she in more action stuff besides aliens? Avatar. Yeah, yeah. That's Mm -hmm. that's definitely she was in the Defenders, uh the Netflix like Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. She was good in that. She was she was really good in that. Um uh, since I'm going to go a little bit outside of the box with my pick, and I'm going to go with Gina Davis from A Long Kiss Goodnight. Not that she's like, sure. she does a really good job in that movie. Um, Rennie Harlan does a good mm-hmm. job. But I'm also looking here at some others here, like uh, Kate Beckinsale. She does really good in the, mm-hmm. underworld, the underworld movies. In, in the underwater, underwater, underworld movies. Um, did you like Wanted with Angelina Jolie? Oh, sure. I love Wanted. Yeah, I mean, she does a really good job when she's in it. A schlubby Chris Pratt. A schlubby Chris, schlubby Chris Pratt. I mean, if you wanted to take it back too, you could even throw in Michelle Yeoh or uh, Cynthia Rothrock in there too. Oh, Michelle Yeoh and everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, definitely. Um, the fact that every everything, everywhere, all at once, like plays on the fact that like. Michelle Yeoh is basically a character in the movie. That's like that's one of her multiversal characters. Is so smart. Like it's such the perfect casting for that movie. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best movies I've seen in the last decade. Like, I I love that movie so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, she does a really good. I mean, I've seen her in a couple interviews. She seems she's definitely somebody who I could see in the future being in more movies. Um. But yeah, I think we all picked really good action actresses. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some other ones that we haven't mentioned, but there's not really coming to mind. I feel like Mila, Mila Jovovich, 
Jovovich. I don't know if I pronounced her last name. Yeah, Jovia. for sure. She's totally one. She's definitely one. I mean, the Resident Evil the element. I have a weird love for the Resident Evil movies. They're terrible, but I, I, I love them. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, they're, 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 uh, I feel that way about Fifth Element. I love the Fifth Element. Uh, that's a good movie, though. That's a, that is that is a great that's a great movie. The Resident Evil movies are not good. I just no no I just they're love not. them. You know, but she's married <laughs> to the director, so you know. It's, yeah, it's, it's a it's a a good good working relationship. Who can make good movies? I mean, he made Event Horizon. Like, he can make good movies. That's it's the other It's the other Paul Anderson yeah, director. Paul W.S. <laughs> it's P.S. Anderson, yes. Mm-hmm. Paul W.S. I, Paul W.S. I've been caught in the, um, in the wrong Anderson lane before. <laughs> Wildly different. <laughs> Very different movies. But, I uh, by Event Horizon, though. That's a good. I actually movie. let's, but like, let's get Paul W. S. Anderson and Daniel Day Lewis in a room, and let's see what movie <laughs> they. Oh come my up god! With. Oh my god! He'd be like, dude, I can give you so much fucking money to just do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. I that yeah, oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think of all the the work, the ridiculous work that they can they can do together mm-hmm. definitely um definitely did you happen to watch the gray man i did yes i loved it did you like it a lot uh we are now moving on to the gray man so mm. here is the great gray man segment welcome back hans yeah I keep... um I so did you like the gray man loved it did you my love only it? complaint was more emmy equator <laughs> yeah he's our he's our buddy that's um he's chris evans like main henchman you only see his face for about five seconds and you only hear a couple of lines from him but still pretty cool that to be awesome. in a to be in a scene with chris evans in a russo brothers movie i'm just like dude yeah. that's so fucking awesome that's really awesome i feel like there's a huge disconnect between because I also like the Gray Man, and if you look at the Rotten Tomato score, it's like forty percent from critics, but like ninety percent from fans. Mm-hmm. And like, that's I'm typical with action movie. Like, typical. Like, I've I've like heard this movie discussed on like multiple podcasts before, and I actually like kind of get it. Like, there is a lot of cliche stuff in this, but just sure. sit back and enjoy the ride, man. Like, yeah, it's also what they're it's what they're doing. Like, they set out to do a thing, and they did exactly what they set out to do. Mm-hmm. Like I always am confused by critics like shitting on or putting bad reviews on something that's like it knew what it was and it tried to do exactly what it did. Like may- maybe you just didn't get it. It's like I don't know. Sometimes people have a little too highfalutin taste in film, Sometimes. and don't and don't yeah, and don't get me wrong. I love you know like super serious dramas and foreign films. Like I love Bong Joon-ho and Parasite and stuff, but like, yeah, I love action movies too. Cause they're fun. And a lot of the times, like the acting is pretty solid in it. Like, you know, Die Hard as a film. Yes. It's an amazing action film, but also the acting and the writing are incredible in that movie. Everyone's love. great in it too. Yeah. Dawson yeah. love- carries the movie. Uh, Chris mm. Evans, when he's in it, is fantastic as a villain. Reminded me of uh, how Tom Cruise was in Collateral to do like the the villain turn, you know, mm-hmm. and it's really a good guy. Uh, Jessica Henwick was great in it. Uh, I enjoyed Billy Bob Thornton. 
Like mm-hmm. everyone was fantastic. I was a big fan of Roger Jean Page, who like 100% knew what movie he was in, where mm-hmm. he played the completely tropey CIA director who was basically just like pure evil. Yeah, just like, evil for the yeah. sake of being evil. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Just like, that guy's, that guy's just, just a one a dimensional. It's fine. That's what that type of movie calls for. And of course, we didn't mention the great Ana de Armas, who I feel yeah. like mm. this is like her lane of being like the third lead in like an action movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though, have you guys seen the trailer for Andrew Dominic's new Marilyn Monroe movie starring her? Uh, yes, I did. That looks fantastic. I like that director a lot. He did, you know, Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford and Killing Them Softly. Um, yeah, those. You know, I had not yet looked at who directed that, but I do love those movies mm-hmm. a lot. So. And it's really interesting, too, because he's from New Zealand. But he's made these incredibly American films. And it's just like interesting seeing somebody who was born and raised in another country make these incredibly American films. Maybe it's because, you know, they were really raised on American film um, or just have, I don't know, a love affair with America. I don't know. But he's I like him a lot. What I want to see is the. The last Bond movie that Ana de Armas was in. I want to see the spinoff of her character because she whooped ass in that in her like <sighs> five minutes of being there. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, was, I told Tony last week when we talked about the movie that like I just want Ana de Armas to act in movies with her Knives Out co-stars between <laughs> <laughs> Chris Evans in The Gray Man and <laughs> um, Daniel Craig in No Time to Die. It's like, yeah. know your language. Like, I want to see now like her work with Michael Shannon. Let's get those oh, two in the room together. Or, with, or maybe she pops up in the last Halloween movie with Jamie Lee. There we go. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Anna de Armas is uh, really good in War Dogs. I like that movie a lot. Do you know, I learned something interesting about that. It's, it's funny you bring that up. So she didn't speak a lick of English before that movie. Really? And learned all of her lines phonetically. And she's like, I had no idea what I was saying. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have wow. to go back and rewatch that and think of that. Yeah, that happened yeah. to the actress in um, Michael Mann's Miami Vice too. T O O, not he didn't make a sequel to Miami Vice. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the Asian actress in the movie who I forget her name was like she didn't speak any English. She just learned all of her lines phonetically. But it's also the reason that uh, you can kind of tell she doesn't have like the greatest chemistry mm-hmm. with like uh, Colin Farrell in that movie mm-hmm. because she doesn't hundred percent know what she's saying. But <laughs> I will say, like, I don't, I don't like, didn't want to be like a dick to Anna Darmus, but like, I'm kind of glad she was able to get down the Marilyn Monroe accent in the latest trailer. Yeah, because <clears throat> she's beautiful and like could fulfill that Marilyn Monroe, but like. Could Marilyn Monroe had a very particular way of talking, right? And, like it's very much ingrained, like how we think Marilyn Monroe talks. But from the trailer, it looks like she nailed it. So good, yeah. Because her, yeah, her accent is is super thick. So I'm sure she had to put in a lot of really hard work, like accent work and accent coaching and dialect work, all that. Yeah, we shall see. But um, speaking mm-hmm. of the gray man, it gives us the return of Billy Bob Thornton, which I feel like we haven't seen in a while. So I think this topic is Billy Bob Thornton. Is he good? Let's discuss. 
Yeah. Yes. 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 Of course. <laughs> I like that. Have, yes. 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 I is. mean, have have you seen Fargo season one? He's oh, fucking amazing. So in good. His He's hair. Really his hair is as fake as the day is long. But <laughs> I mean, but he, bad Santa. Oh, bad Santa. I mean, even taking it back to, you know, when he's in his little scene in Tombstone where he gets bitch slapped by Kurt Russell. (laughs) And, um, you know, Sling Blade. um, Davy Crockett in the Alamo. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. I think he's just kind of gotten a bad rap because apparently he's a fucking weirdo that, you know, when him and Angelina Jolie were together, he wore her blood around his neck. I'm glad you said that because I wasn't sure how I was going to approach that. uh, Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kink shame because, you know, it is, it is. Okay. Yes. It's weird. And use an Armageddon. Yeah. Sling blade. I mean, I mean, he's, he's he's got some good early movies too. Um, He's really good in Oliver Stone's U-Turn, if you've ever never seen that movie. I don't um, think I have. He's good in he this is a really, really good movie. If you've never seen it, he directed it. It's called or no, he didn't direct it, he wrote it. It's called One False Move. It's him and Bill Paxton. Oh, um, no. I gotta check that. I'm putting it's it on my in list. uh it's from nineteen ninety-two. Um Siskel voted in his favorite movie of nineteen ninety-two. Um, it, it's it's uh it's like a crime noir. Um, it's really good, and he's really really good in it. But like you said, Armageddon. Um, he just starts becoming in more and more movies. Um, he's good in Monsters Ball with yeah, with Ali mm-hmm. for for what that was. Um, <laughs> you know, um, intolerable. He's, <laughs> he's in the uh, Coen Brothers Intolerable Cruelty. He's ridiculous in that. I just feel like there was like a stretch of his career, especially after Bad Santa, where he's essentially playing that Bad Santa character. Yeah. Like um, the Bad News Bears remake and School that's for a Scoundrels. Good, that's, an, that's actually a very, very highly rated movie directed by Richard Linklater that I enjoy quite a bit. And that's nothing like Bad Santa at all. <laughs> There's also Mr. Woodcock, which I think. Falls now that is yeah. like Bad Mr. Woodcock's exactly like Bad Santa. School for Scoundrels. That's mm-hmm. like that's like bad. That's like Bad Santa. Um, you know, I, I think you know he's an eagle eye. He's in. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he's really actually pretty funny in the Entourage movie. He's ridiculous in that. If you've never seen that, um, yeah, but I don't remember. He, he plays the. Um, his associate is the kid from The Sixth Sense. Yeah, his son, yeah. Haley Joel Haley Osment. Osment. Yes, yes, he plays like the financier. And Haley Joe Osmond plays like his assistant or number two yeah. or something. Yeah. And ha- Haley Joe Osmond like kind of steals the scenes. He does. Oh, he does. have you seen Future Man with Haley Joe Osmond? No. No. It's, it's a series on uh, Hulu. How about Tusk? Do you see Tusk? No. no. Kevin Smith. Oh, that's Justin Long. That's not Haley. No, Haley Joe's. No, Haley Joe Osmond's in that too. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's like his co-host or something. Yeah, real, right? cre- real creepy. I mean, I, I don't really. He also don't, shows don't... up in the boys at one point. Oh yeah, he's good in that. He's good in that. But yeah, I mean, I think overall, I mean, Billy Bob Thornton's good. But you're right. He's had those periods of like where he's coming out with the same movie. Bad Santa Two wasn't very good. Um, I never saw it. Um, Me neither. I didn't want to tarnish the legacy of yeah, the first because I love no, the first. So I love the first one so much. You, uh, you did. You did. Bernie good. Mac and uh, so good. you did. John good. Ritter. 
Ritter. I guess I'm, I'm looking at it here. He does his own voice in this Harley Quinn cartoon. At <gasps> Dude, the Harley Quinn show it, is legitimately great. It's is it? so good. Thank you for saying that. I wanted to talk about it. It just came back. It's one of my favorite shows maybe ever. It's has no business. Be, it started out on some streaming service that doesn't exist anymore that nobody had. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, just, yeah, DC had their own streaming service. Yeah. And then when HBO and like Warner Brothers, like they really came together, they're just this is dumb. We're gonna put it on HBO. Yeah, just a more people will watch it. Of voice actors, it's like on uh, Funches, Alan Tudyk, Tony Hale, Christopher Maloney, Jim Rash, JB Smooth, Diedrich Bader, Jason Alexander, I, Andy Daly, like, it, and it goes on and on and on. Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn. Yes. And she's great. She's not doing like the that normal voice. It's which took me a while to adjust, but mm-hmm. but I, I like it. Like, it's it's so good. It's so violent and colorful and funny. It's just fantastic. So, did you ever um, old school Twitter follow the account shit my dad says? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that was created by Justin Halpern, and like he turned that into this like really pretty good career in hollywood so him and his partner patrick shoemaker like started this show and it's like the only show they've ever created where they actually got a second season um oh but, shit <laughs> and i don't know how they did like yeah it's but you're right, like this show 100 deserves it like yeah I oh saw it does the, i saw it's just like i don't get it back. yeah how did they throwing... get all these famous people like they they couldn't have been paying them because that show couldn't have made them anyone any money uh, yeah, I mean, some of this was like, I think people doing favors, like they've been in Hollywood for a while. I'm sure Kelly Kuko called in a few favors. I think she like um, is like a producer or something on it. And it was probably just because it's, I mean, I've only seen the first couple episodes and I love them. It's just, hey, this is really great and really fun. And yeah. you want to be a part of it? And I, I mean, yeah, they're making sure. a spinoff of uh, Kite Man where he owns a bar and it's supposed to be like Cheers. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Do you guys? There was a show that Halpern and uh, Shoemaker did where it's like, what happens if like people were just like regular people working in like the DC universe, but like just like a normal corporate job? It's called Powerless. Yes, I I know what you're talking about. I never saw it, but that's a yeah, right? But like it also like it had um, Alan Tudyk and Ron Funches in it, so I'm sure like that's where they met. Um, it also stars the guy who played Abed in Community. Ron oh, Hunches Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi. Yeah, Danny Pudi. The show. I mean, the show was like solid. It was like fine. Apparently, like they couldn't use like any real DC yeah. characters. So like the, stupid rules. So mm. like that's part of the reason it failed. But they definitely got full reign with the Harley Quinn show. Like, oh, there um, were no notes on that show. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, go the, for it, and it's incredible. In like this, like third season, it's just like Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, just like constantly having sex, just all the yeah. time. I've only seen the first episode of of uh, this new season because when it came out, I decided to binge the first two in a row before. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's it's great, and I think it also leads us to the next topic of uh, comic adaptations. Oh, we're saying go. good. We're going good or bad, or just in general. Uh, uh, how about how about we start the worst? 
comic adaptation from a comic book that you think off the top um, of your head? I mean, there's a lot. Like, we're spoiled now yeah. with the MCU. But, like, when we were younger, we would get, uh, like, these like, made-for-TV movies or direct-to-DVD. Like, like, there's a there's a great old, like, from, like, the 90s, uh, Captain America that uh, oh is, God, he has, so like, bad. no superpowers. And <laughs> his, his biggest power is... He does this twice. Um, he's in a car with somebody, pretends to be sick, and then steals the car. He does it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absurd. I mean, it, 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 um, so I mean, there's there's all of that. Like, uh, as far as modern day, um, I mean, there's a couple X Men that were really bad. Oh, Morbius is the worst I can think of. Morbius was just pointless and stupid. Morbius is pointless and stupid. I like that. (laughs) I mean, actually, the first half, first thirty minutes of that movie, I kind of enjoyed, which is really the hardest part. It was making me care about everybody, which I didn't going into. (laughs) They did the hard part, and then it was just like, I don't know what happened, and then it was just awful after that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, um, that movie definitely got got ripped a lot by people. But, you know, I mean, it, it also, you know, it could be a good popcorn movie too, but I hear what you're saying. It's No, it's it's not fun bad. It's just bad, bad. Just, just bad, bad. Jared, yeah. Leto, Jared Leto could not save it with his acting. Yeah, he wasn't as insufferable as, as I thought he might be, but. <laughs> um, did you see, like, say, the new Doctor Strange? Yeah. Now, I haven't seen that yet. Was that good? Did you enjoy that one? I enjoyed that. Um, I have a problem where I know too much, and I have expectations, and like I know things going in. And this is why they should never like placate the fans, because even when we get what we want, we're not necessarily happy. Like I got everything I wanted, and I was still like, I didn't. Li- I don't know how I feel about this. I don't think I liked it. Hmm. Like with the the I won't I mean I think JP knows the the people in the Illuminati cast and like the main one uh like I got exactly the guy I wanted and I was just like I, don't, I didn't like that <laughs> but that's what I wanted so like we'll, we'll, it also didn't help me. that he was clearly like not in the same room as yeah I, I think that was it yeah upon my second watch I liked it better like I didn't like the newest Spider I, I wouldn't say I didn't like it the first time I saw it but I didn't know what to make of it and I enjoyed it a lot more in my second viewing. I need to, I need to see things a couple times, like because there's just too much going on in my head because I know too much about production and things that go into it, and so I have expectations, and I think this, and I know too much in the comics, so I have way too many things influencing me at, at my first viewing. So it often takes multiple times for me to see something to have an actual opinion on it. You didn't like the third Spider-Man, the Tom Holland version. No, I, I did, but the first time I watched it, I was just like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. It's a lot. I thought that just a lot. I loved it. Personally. I loved it the second time I saw it, but it was just, it was, it was too. I watched it, and then I was in a theater here where like everyone was going nuts because it was like the first showing of it, and, and I missed stuff, and that always bumps me and gets me out of it. 
people would See, cheer yeah. for like 30 seconds. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I want to hear the saying. <laughs> Did they cheer for where he said I'm something of a scientist? They cheered for everything. <laughs> I, everything. Thought, I thought that movie was like the, the perfect amount of fan service. Like yeah. that movie, I feel like was made for like to give you that dopamine hit of, I recognize mm-hmm. that or um, yeah. like uh, where um, the Andrew Garfield saves Zendaya. It's like, oh yeah. Oh man. Like wow. but like that got me. Like I don't know. Of I course. loved it. Oh yeah. I loved it. Like this the second time through, I could enjoy it just for what it was and I, I thought it was great. But I, I actually didn't like Andrew Garfield the first time. Like it just he took me out of it. because uh, I was just seeing Andrew Garfield and McGuire <laughs> that like old and it just didn't something just took me out of it the first time. Did you guys see the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie? Yes. Oh God, I was gonna bring that one up. Yeah, that's that's my vote for the worst <laughs> uh, comic because that was during a time before so- the MCU had come out, but it was after Raimi's Spider Man, where they were kind of trying to like riff on Raimi's Spider Man as the formula, but right. you can't like like only Sam Raimi could have done it. That perfect blend of his own violence and action and, and humor. It had wow. some good things in it, but as a whole, it was it was not a good movie. I, I I've heard there's a director's cut that makes yes, the movie a lot I've better. I've seen that, and AJ it. Soprano is in um, it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've heard that it's a it's a makes it a lot better than the original one, but you know I I've heard know. that too, and I've you know, seen I, both. I, I, but not a lot better. Yeah, it's that's tough a to make it better. It's tough to make that movie better. I mean, I, I love Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. Like, it had some really interesting, cool ideas. It just, as a whole, it wasn't a good movie. Yeah, it was too... Ugh, yeah. And then, because then the, the Daredevil series came out with Charlie Cox, and he was just... That's it was awesome. It was so great. Even the third season, which I was kind of like, meh about, was still better than most of the superhero stuff that was out at that time. It was just great. They also the series smartly downplayed the what the movie did of hey he's blind but he can still fight isn't that cool where <laughs> the show just kind of like he's a badass fighter who also happens to be blind yeah, which that's... was the smart way to approach it versus that weird like Sonic like Batman the Dark Knight scope thing in the beginning where you just like as his vision as the Daredevil. Um, yeah, see, I didn't like that, but I did like little things that they did in that movie. Like when he's getting ready for the day, he has like all his different denominations of bills are folded differently. Like they did mm-hmm. little things really well. It just didn't work together. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, exactly. It, you know, it just didn't come together. Some of our, all, you know, Jennifer Gardner's Electra. You know, I don't Ugh. know. If that, yeah, I don't know if that really. You know. Yeah, I mean. They had like their little dance off on a on seesaws. That's just. And then what about that spinoff? Did you like that movie, Electro? I never Electra. saw that. I, I don't think really I. Bad. Actually, I never Catwoman saw might be the worst comic book movie bad. of all time, or any of the fan Fantastic Four movies. Those are bad too. I didn't mind the second one, the Silver Surfer one. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't even see the the newish one with Miles Teller and. Well, that Michael one wasn't Jordan. even a movie. Like the no. studio got a hold of that and just 
it just it was not a, it wasn't even a movie like it didn't mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like it somehow got more boring once they got their powers like how is that possible <laughs> tony and i though like defend that movie on this podcast yeah. where it's like i think as like as a whole and especially considering i didn't get a sequel you're right there's a lot of talking for an action movie there's not a whole lot of action but i also think part of it is that they were setting it up for sequels down the line and yeah. I, I mean I, they, it, about six years ago seven years ago it was uh when i had hbo it would just be playing and i probably watched it for some unknown reason a lot and 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 i know it's not a good movie by any stretch or standards but like they do play well off of each other in the movie. It just doesn't come off as well. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan and My- Miles Teller yeah. are great. Like I, I like Miles mm-hmm. Teller. Like I, I, I think it was more doing of like all the Doctor multiverse Doom. stuff. I think it was more of like Doctor Doom. And well, they weren't of... making him Doctor Doom to begin yeah. with. Yeah, like they the have that like ADR line where yeah. they just throw it in and like Victor on doom he was supposed to be just like some well they get the guy from nip tuck i mean they could have get somebody a little bit better oh, God. you know i mean that was a problem you know? i didn't like, mind his portrayal of dr doom the power set they gave him was just like uh well, electricity which made no sense but like jeff bridges iron man julian mcmahon fantastic four you know it's you know i mean i understand it what i want to see is with all this multiverse stuff in the mcu i want to see them bring back miles teller as uh the evil reed richards the maker from the ultimate universe oh yeah because everyone hates miles teller for some reason so just make him (laughs) the evil evil reed oh well yeah that could work Miles Teller hanging out with Aaron Rodgers though didn't help his uh, likability cause. I'll tell. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Like, oh, he's... I didn't hear about that. Yeah. And then that Netflix, what was that Netflix movie that was bad that we watched recently? Oh, Spiderhead. Spiderhead. Oh, oh, wasn't that Hemsworth? Yeah. 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 yeah but, um, oh, not good. It's Hemsworth and Miles Teller in it. I didn't watch it. I didn't no, watch yeah, it either. It's okay. No. <laughs> yeah, don't. That's we're helping you. Don't. <laughs> But it's like not... Hemsworth's wife was uh, not great, but it was fun. That interceptor or whatever it was called. Hemsworth is married. Yeah, yeah, he's married with a like Which two or three kids. Interceptor. Uh, yeah, it was interceptor, interceptor or something. His wife is uh, what she and she was in the Fast and Furious movies for a minute. She like had, His wife Dom, is Charlize had Dom's baby and then got killed. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at the, yeah, Interceptor. Yeah. Inter- in- Interceptor, yeah. I've never seen this movie. Is this good? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's, I'll have to it's, watch it's, this one. I mean, it's, it's not Netflix, good, but it's fun. Like, it's just uh, mindless yeah, action. Yeah, I didn't know this. That's his wife. All right, so what do you guys think are the best comic hey, adaptations? Oh, yeah. The best adaptation. Right or wrong, I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. We're not getting out of here alive. But neither is that thing. Reach anybody. We're a thousand miles from nowhere, man, and it's going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets any better. What the hell happened here? That is not water. 
Black blood of the earth. You mean oil? I mean black blood of the earth. This is gonna take Cracker Jack. Now, this really pisses me off to no end. Hey, don't worry, I can handle it. I took something. I can see things no one else can see. Why are you dressed like that? Son of a bitch, my pay. This has never happened to me before. <laughs> oh, yes, I don't know what's going on tonight with this with this thing, but I I appreciate you you sticking with us. Oh, of course I have nowhere else to be. <laughs> <laughs> the story the story of my life. Welcome yeah. back, JP. Hey. Welcome back, everyone. All right. So, what is the best comic book adaptations? Go ahead. So, most of them. I mean, it's really hard to adapt a comic book, like mm-hmm. line for line, page for page, because comic books are, let's face it, ridiculous. Um. I think for me, the best adaptation is Infinity War Endgame, the whole uh, Infinity Gauntlet saga mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. comics. Um, it, it changes a bunch, but stuff it kind of had to change. And it just works. You know, I, I was thinking you were going to go with something like Howard the Duck. But, uh, <laughs> oh, man. I guess, you know, that's not bad. That's not a bad pick. <laughs> um. Thor Love and Thunder actually was pretty that was that wasn't my favorite but that actually might have been one of the closest to the comics like they really hit on a lot of stuff from a couple different ones uh did you like the Infinity War Adam Yeah I mean how do you not like uh Infinity War those I mean that's my favorite Marvel movie I mean, I, it's so good. That's part of the problem now I'm having with their new phase of Marvel is that before the like clearly they were setting it up towards Thanos. The first phase was clearly setting up these movies to make an Avenger movie, and then now that they were teamed up, they were playing the long game to have this giant saga. And the fact that they were Marvel was able to balance like fifty different superheroes into See, a really successful we, we think they had it all planned out but they really didn't like if we look back the tesseract was supposed to be a cosmic cube which is basically what the infinity gauntlet does and they just pivoted and were like yeah that's just uh there's a stone inside of it and then it was like oh loki scepter just has another stone in it like they they didn't actually have it all planned out they that's pivoted true. a lot but they did it well i mean just like at the end of so in the comic run the reason thanos does the half the population of everything is because he is in love with mistress death and oh and he's out but uh (laughs) i heard that too um i think i'm just going to piggyback off his point even though we can't hear it probably (laughs) is that um even if they didn't have a plan because they were able to pivot really well. Mm-hmm. And if you look back on it, um, it really seems like they had a plan and they also Marvel did something really, I don't know if it's smart, but I mean, it's them trying to double down on their projects is that some of their least critical um, reviewed movies, such as Thor two 
and Age of Ultron. Right. Right. Um, they were able to then, as they go went forward, to like actually have these movies be of more importance. Um, like the fact that there was uh, one of the Infinity Stones right before um, Thor's mom died. They're like, hey, look, Thor 2 is important because there's an Infinity Stone here. And mm, that's true. They, they I just talk talked about... for like five minutes and didn't realize I was disconnected. So. No, no, you were only gone for like one second. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I bet you like if we didn't like mention the technical difficulties, no one would really notice because I essentially just piggybacked off the point that you were making no, of like, no. even if they didn't have a plan, they like made it seem like they had a plan. So then when you can look back on it, like it is a decently cohesive storyline versus well, they were they were really good about putting little things in here and there. And it's like, like planting seeds. And it's like, some of them will cultivate and others. Maybe we won't like, like in Iron Man two, they had a map of different places. And one of them was Wakanda and another one was Atlantis, which they still haven't actually done. It's coming out to Wakanda forever. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's how long ago they planted that seed. You know, they, they do a lot of that. Yeah, I feel like you went really big with the Infinity War saga because the movie that I picked for my comic adaptation was Sin City. Oh, um, that's a good ooh, pick. That's a great one. Just because I took it like pick. real, like my favorite movie of all time is The Dark Knight. So mm. not like I talk about it too much on this podcast. Um, but if we're talking about something that really feels like it was adapted straight from the comic strip and like really feels like it's a comic strip come to life on the page, I thought Robert Rodriguez did such a good job, um, you know, with the green screen and putting the different colors in different places. Um, mm-hmm. And Sin City was just re- like that movie, also, like, because it's in the title, it's so pulpy and it's so fun and it's so violent. And um, even though it's three different stories with the kicker of the Josh Hartnett stuff, I thought it just all plays so well together. And that movie is just so fun. That's a great pick. I love I that. I even movie. thought of that. That's a really good movie. Um, I really like. I don't. I'm not really. You know, I don't read the comic book so much, but I really like Kick Ass a lot. Uh, I did too. It was so fun. They I love Kick Ass. They don't really talk about that movie as much as they should. And um, Nicolas Cage, even in his role in that movie, um, you know, is pretty good. Him and Chloe Grace, and I oh, mean, yeah. that's uh, Matthew Vaughn. He's great. Is it Mark yes, uh, Strong is the bad guy? Yeah. Yep. And yep. Uh, McLovin is his son. McLovin. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yep. You guys have like Kingsman and all that. He's... You guys haven't met Tony, but he actually is uh, Christopher Mintz Plass. That's me. <laughs> going... Hello. He just goes by Tony for this podcast. Yeah, I'm actually Christopher Mintz Plass in uh, the end, end of the world. The way he acts in that movie, that's kind of that's how I'm acting right now. Actually, I'm Michael Sarah from that, so I get it. <laughs> if you guys, if we ever meet, then you'll once you actually meet and see Tony, you'll actually see he looks like a taller version of McLovin. Yeah, you won't be able to unsee it. And, and Adam looks like a carbon copy of Matthew McConaughey. So when you see him, you're going to know that. He's Matthew McConaughey. Oh. That's a way nicer thing to say about him than he said about you. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know because I'm a nice guy. He's the mean one out of the both of us. Mm. <laughs> really, random question for you. If you if I like you had to say that I sounded like any famous actor, who would you say that I sounded like? Oh my gosh. I, that's a good question. It's been bugging me because it 
there is someone, and I can't put my we, finger on we, it. We have had quite a few guests say that he sounds like Jason Seagal. Jason Siegel? Seagal? Siegel? Siegel? Yeah, Jason Siegel. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that. Mm-hmm. I also hear see Steve, I also hear Steven Seagal, but he won't he won't accept that one. <laughs> yeah, I it's, see it's my badge. <laughs> it's my gun. Like Steven Seagal, I'll also do action movies solely sitting in my chair. Yes. <laughs> oh yes! my god, yes. <laughs> solely sitting in my chair. But uh all right. So let us move on. Uh best- Wait, what was Jay? Oh, oh, um, we, oh, I thought we were, sorry, oh, sorry that's okay. That. Um, I, gosh, there's just so many. I mean, me just off the top of my head, I really love Logan. And I guess that's kind of a little bit like old man Logan in a way, but I love Logan a lot. Oh, Logan's awesome. That movie is definitely yeah. really good. It's great, but it's in the only connecting tissue is he, he's old. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But I just like, in terms of like, if we're not going like super, you know, Marvel MCU, like comic book adaptations, I love that. And it's not so much like the comic, but they really homage the comic really well is um, the Watchmen TV series on HBO. I like that. That was going to be one of my picks. That was actually really good, the TV series. The movie was actually pretty close, too. Mm -hmm. Except for the end, like, except for what the, instead of a squid, like... It actually was pretty faithful. But see, I actually like that change in the movie because I feel like I do too. You had a, like a giant squid. It, the, you, be, you as a movie goer, because most of the people who saw that movie didn't read the comic, they'd go, right. that was pretty dumb. That's yeah. Pretty, yeah. I like yeah. that change too because that's another thing that works in a comic book panel, but when you put it on screen, it's like, what? <laughs> Why is there a squid all of a sudden? But I will say it was funny watching the TV show where they just will randomly have raining little squids. Yeah. Yes, like, I love that. <laughs> it is it is silly, but for some reason, that uh, they made it work on the show. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, if you're talking shows, uh, Invincible did a really good job of adapting. I don't know if you've seen that on Amazon. It's fantastic. No, I've not. I'll have to watch that one. Who do you think would win in a fight, Homelander, or? Um, J.K. Simmons from Invincible. Uh, J.K. Oh. Simmons. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. He's more ruthless. What's in the yeah, Omni- Omni-Man, right? Omni-Man, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I love that show. They're, they're both owned by Amazon, so I feel like Amazon needs to make this happen. Yeah, even if it's just like an animated you know, short or something. Just like, let's do it. Tony, you need to see Invincible. I am. I'm going to actually watch it. Uh, I got oh, a, about another week left of vacation. I'll put it, start watching it tomorrow. I I didn't know anything about it going in. I love J.K. Simmons. It was He's, shocking. J.K. Simmons <laughs> is is one of my favorites. So just hearing his yeah. name, I'll Stephen Yoon is like the main dude. Um, oh, okay. Yes, I like him. Uh, too. Jason Manzukis is one of the voices. Like it's another one of those that's got a bunch of voices that you're like, oh. He, I, he's I, the I one from Walking Dead, right? Steven, Steven yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. He's a no- nope, too. I want to see that. So. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. But uh, you were speaking of on water, um, uh, <laughs> squids. What is your favorite movie that takes place on water? I mean, it's Waterworld. Like, we did, like, three hours on it. 
Oh, it was ago. intense. Yeah, that was one of our first episodes. That's in like our top. I mean, that's in our like our first five or ten episodes. Yeah, we had my friend Charlotte on, um, and that's like her favorite movie. Um, and her and I have the same birthday, and she watches it every year on her birthday. So of course I watch it with her. Um, <laughs> it's 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 so good. Yeah, I mean, I got taken quite a few times by my dad to see it at the theater. I remember a kid's party was we were taken to the movies to see it um, like an eight. It was eighth grade. Um, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's a ridiculously awesome movie. It's definitely so much fun. And I I bought her one year uh, the like director's cut. Oh, you worried? I thought you said you you bought her that machine at the beginning, the peeing one, (laughs) turn into water. I was going to say, wow. (laughs) That was more of a Christmas present. But uh, that's a great, great pick, Waterworld. Definitely can't go wrong with Waterworld. Uh, what did you pick, JP? Gosh, on water? Pro- or I anything. I mean, it could be it could be underwater, in water, on a boat. It could be the abyss, could be Jaws. Could be- hey, you know, oh. I'll, take, I'll take it a bathtub, you know, if there's a scene. Ja- in the Jaws. I'd oh. say, you know, you just brought up Jaws. That's a movie I can watch. I've seen a thousand times, and I get excited to watch it, that movie because it's it's just so well made, and Roy Scheider is so good in it. And I love him. The, the scene where Quint tells the World War II story oh, in the it's boat. it's so good about it's, the USS Indianapolis. It's so... I, I love that movie a lot. And that movie, I still get afraid to go in a pool because of Jaws. Like, I think about water. The first thing I think about when I enter water is always Jaws, even to this day. I just recently watched that in the last, like, month or two, and I hadn't seen it in mm-hmm. years. Holds up. Still so good. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. hey, just, just when I when I've been in California and I just put my feet in the water and I look out there, I just think of Jaws. You know, it's hard not to of think course. of Jaws. Of course. How do you feel about Two second is, one's not that bad. Second one's not that bad. Third one is garbage. And then <laughs> the last one is like atrocious. <laughs> Mario I never saw the third one, but I've seen the I've seen one, two, and four. Oh, you've never seen 3D with Louis Gossett Jr. and Dennis Quaid? Oh, oh it's... That's the one I like, <laughs> like SeaWorld or something, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah really, exactly. It's really cheesily, it's really cheesily bad. Uh, two's not terrible, like you said, um, but one is definitely the classic of, of, of those movies, definitely. Um, I'm going to go with another shark movie here, since we're talking shark movies. I'm gonna go with uh, the LL Cool J. Deep blue sea. Oh. You got it. Deepest bluest man is like a shark fin. You have got the whole <laughs> song down pat. I love that movie. The, the whole so the much. whole scene with uh, Samuel Jackson when he gets it, he's like screaming oh. and he's like ranting and everyone's he's watching. This rousing speech. <laughs> Re ridiculous. Um, Stellan Skarsgård's in it. He's really ridiculously. He gets his arm. Yeah, torn he, off, right. That whole scene is really ridiculous. Thomas too. Jane is in it, right? Oh yeah, Thomas yeah. Jane is actually really, really good and uh, ridiculously good in that movie. Um, LL Cool J though, for the movie, for for what he's asked to do, he's good. Um, oh yeah, he does a great job. He's got a in uh, any given Sunday too. Uh, I like Michael Rappaport's cheesy. 
so he i love him he's always so good and earlier i don't he, like him but he, he's good in that earlier mm. you brought up aj soprano um, <laughs> in this flick we have another soprano this is janice um soprano tony's sister oh, she, yeah. she runs the guard tower at the uh at the old deep blue sea but definitely uh really ridiculous and earlier we brought up a uh, um uh, a long kiss goodnight. This is another Rennie Harlan movie. Uh, deep oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But speaking of Sopranos, Hans, have you stopped your rewatch so you can stop killing actors who are in the Sopranos? I finished it. It's only one <laughs> per rewatch that dies. Um, so I was safe to do the rest of it. Um, but I can't watch it again. <laughs> That's good. Um, I mean, we need to save those actors. <laughs> Yeah, um, they're dropping like flies. Seriously, bad what year for the mafia. <laughs> I don't know why Jaws didn't come to me because that's obviously the greatest. The one that for some reason just stuck in my craw was um, Ang Lee's Life of Pi. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I never saw that. Mm-hmm. That's it's, a very interesting pick. It's, uh, I've only seen it once when it first came out, but I thought it was just absolutely gorgeous. I just thought the cinematography like it won best cinematography at the oscars that year and i thought it was absolutely incredible there's a scene in the very beginning where the boat um is sinking and it's just this amazing shot of you just see the camera go into the ocean and you just see basically the entire boat just fill up the screen angley is obviously an incredible director um Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just a really beautiful story about uh um, little Indian kid stuck on the water. Very, very, very um, well with the new Avatar coming out. I wonder if that one will take water. Oh uh, yeah, that'll that be interesting. Will 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 be. Um, are you excited for those movies? No, <laughs> I think too much I time has passed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean James Cameron doesn't miss, so oh, I'm gonna go see him. Totally, I don't care. Yeah, that's you know it'll be interesting to see how that how that goes. Really, my my honorable mention, uh, Sharknado. Because, sure. sure. Uh, we had a uh, friend of the pod, Gary Morgenstein. Uh, he he uh, did the PR for the Sharknado movies. Oh really? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's Gary. Gary's the best. That's that's pretty awesome. Did that move? Did that movie even need PR? I feel like it sells itself. It's like, I mean, the first there's... one did because no one knew what it was you know it's just another one of those creature flicks that you know just come and go uh it's sharks they're all in a cyclone and they're coming to kill you yeah the first (laughs) one needed it but uh then everyone knew what that was after that and they didn't uh i'm gonna bring up uh since i don't know why i didn't bring up before james cameron's the abyss you know that's awesome i mentioned that that's 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 a great one you know i mean um pretty much you know i mean it takes a lot of money to film on water yeah so maybe that's oh, why there's imagine. not as many like the perfect storm isn't terrible with george clooney i mean yeah. for what it is yeah um mm-hmm. cast away i guess cast away oh yeah sure oh yeah you know um but definitely a lot of a lot of good picks so i've now reached uh we have now reached and where are we at here now? Are we still there? All right. 
now we have reached our pinnacle moment of the show. Our John Carpenter deep dive. Speaking of water, we're going on a deep dive into John Carpenter. Oh, uh, that was just just a golf clap Chef of a Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, Tony. That was that reminded me of Hans' description of how uh, Marvel set up the whole entire universe. The Marvel. I just stepped into that one, so that was really, <laughs> really, really great. Um, feels good off the bat. Right? It does. It does feel good off the bat. Um, but uh, John Carpenter, um, so, pers- personally one of my favorites. Um, John Carpenter is he a good director? Go. Uh, well, John Carpenter he wants to be. Uh, yes. Yeah, that too. Um, time period too. Like you were brought up earlier about uh, who was it talking about Billy Bob Thornton during his time period in the eighties. I mean, he was ne- couldn't miss. Um, but then the '90s kind of came, and it was a little more rougher for old. It goes to Marshall. Very true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. You know, uh, that's you. A, a recent guest on here um, a couple weeks ago. She that she she loved that movie, and actually, I did not. I like it, but not. I did not. For I did not reasons. like it. I walked out. I went to the movies to see this, and I was very angry leaving. I'm fascinated so, by it. Like it, it looks almost like. Almost like a like the blocking and the way things are shot. It's almost like a student film. It's just so strange. You know what it was. You know what it was. I wish Ghost to Mars would have came out like right after they live, um, because it fits like how he was doing everything then. Um, yeah, he tried to do those practical effects again in a world in two thousand and one that really wasn't really. Well, it's I, just the way it was shot. Like I don't. It's just uh, baffling. It was like there was no effort. It was just like they set up a handy cam and it was like, hey, guys, go do your scene. Like, it was so weird. That's so disappointing. I mean, but when you go through like Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, Starman, Vampires, Big Trouble in Little China, They Live. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he, the 90s, like I said, Escape from LA, I did not enjoy. Oh, man, that movie's so bad. Um, and honestly, it was another reasoning. I'm looking at it here, 96. That would have put me at 14. Um, I left the movie theater, and all I heard on the way home was my dad pissed off because it was nothing like <laughs> Escape from New York. Of course not. He's like, they played ba- – what, what, what happened in that whole thing? They played basketball, that one scene where in the first movie, they're in the, he's in the boxing ring with the guy, and in this movie – he plays basketball to get out of trouble. You know, it was just never really... have a basketball scene in your movie. <laughs> like it's never gone well. <laughs> basketball. Catwoman has an incredible basketball scene that you have to see to believe. Uh, there's one in the Andrew Garfield Spider Man. Uh, like it always end. It's always awful. Okay. Just don't do it. What's your uh, Hans? What's your favorite uh, John Carpenter movie? Uh, I'm not that deep on him, but. I like vampires. James Woods. Just, Ooh, I love that concept one. of just a bunch of guys hunting vampires. That is, I mean, that movie's also got, again, like you said, uh, the worst Baldwin brother, Daniel Baldwin's yeah. in it. Really. Oh really. my God, that's right. We did that recently on the pod, yeah. and it is, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, it's, I, that was another one. Um, I was lucky enough. I was probably too young to be in the movie. Th- uh, not really like 15, but still, um, that one was a good one. Definitely. How about you, JP? I I mean, 
I love John Carpenter. I love his early movies. I love Escape from New York. I love Big Trouble Little China. I have, I probably have four Kurt Russell t-shirts right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's your guy. Yeah, yes. I love Kurt Russell, and Kurt I Russell love Escape from New York. Russell is to you what Michael Bean is and Nancy Allen are to me. Uh, Kurt Russell is definitely. I think I've seen all of Kurt Russell's movies. He's one hundred percent amazing. Yeah, he's great, and I mean, even Halloween. Like, I love Halloween. That's might be my favorite horror movie. I'm not a huge horror fan, but that's probably my favorite. I would say. Oh yeah. I also feel like underrated in Halloween was that John Carpenter did the score for that movie. He did it oh, for yeah. a lot of. Movies. He he did it yeah. for most of his movies. Yeah, all these yeah. movies. Like that's yeah, what he does now. Is just music. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Halloween was is a pretty great movie in its own right, but that score is just so iconic, and it's just all from the mind of this genius. Um, I was yeah. That's just a, another forgettable fl- slasher movie without that, without that song or that score. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. I um I was listening to a deep a podcast that did a deep dive on the thing, which is. You know, actually, when Hans was on, we talked about our favorite 80s movie, and that was my pick. And it's still my favorite mm. pick of my favorite um, Carpenter movie. But um, they were talking about how that was the most money that he had ever gotten to make a movie at that time was to do The Thing. And it ended up getting released in 1982, where the only movie people saw was E.T., uh, so, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. So nobody, mm. like, so he had gotten this like because he had made a few other films like the fog and halloween that were successful so the studios were like hey you know we'll give you some money to do a movie you see like you make movies that people like and uh it turns out like it got so panned at the time the thing like not only did it not make any money but it just got eviscerated by a lot of top critics so um you know studios kind of shied away from him for a little bit and yet he was still able to, you know, make movies. And I wonder if that weirdly helped him in a sense that, you know, he can be so creative by just making these smaller budget movies that even though a, you sometimes you can feel the cheapness from an escape from New mm-hmm. York, that still doesn't detract from the quality of that movie. Like he, I don't think he gets to make They Live if he's like making big budget studio movies. So I almost like think weirdly in a sense it helped his career that he was able to like his run, you know, talk about director runs, his run since from Halloween till probably Escape from LA is pretty great. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking right now and honestly, I mean, he, if you take away pretty much Halloween, I mean, he, he wasn't like box office even those ones that we mentioned they're more like cult status through the years people renting them watching them over and over but like the thing wasn't like this huge box office success i mean it had a 15 million dollar budget and only made 19 million dollars so like it's obviously something that over time people have grown to enjoy um and that's i think what makes him probably why i enjoy him the most is that he's not your you know like you just described him it's not your normal like your bread and butter type of director i guess you I, I have something to say about that but i think jay actually has to jump 
Sorry, guys. Yeah, I just got to jump. Uh, but thank you so much no, for having me on. So I really much. appreciate thank it. Thank you so much, my man. Thank, thank you, you for joining us. Really appreciate of it. Of course. Yeah. Have a great what's your, night, guys. Thanks. Uh, what's, what's your Twitter handle? Throw out your Twitter handle or anything you want to promote. Um, uh, I'm mostly on Instagram at randomactor84. Give me a give me a like and a follow. Right. Awesome. Thank, thank you so much for joining us. One of these days, I am going to come on your podcast. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much. It's Have a good night, guys. Thank, thank you. you. So what you were saying about like maybe not having a big budget, you see that all the time when people are forced to be creative and stretch a dollar and then they get a bunch of money to make a movie and it's just, eh, it just doesn't work. No, you're right. And it also probably, like he was kind of pigeonholed as, as like a horror guy after Halloween. That's true. That probably helped him be able to, to get out of that genre. Cause I don't think that was like, his thing it just was what he was able to get made at the time for some reason like i'm like when i'm equating the thing i think of george lucas's first star wars where you know obviously he had some money to do that but he didn't have the budget that he would have now so he had to rely on a lot of really smart department heads to really do their own thing. One of the reasons Star Wars is so great is because there's a lot of people that Lucas had working for him that were just at the top of their craft, especially with like special effects. And yeah, and I, they, he just like found them. He, he like started a special effects company just for that movie. Yeah. And they and it, were like built all their equipment because what they wanted to do didn't exist. And that's why I, wanted, I like, I love the thing so much is that apparently the, person creating this monster was like this 22 year old kid who just loved like hr giger and like just loved creature features and stuff and apparently he spent like 26 hours a day making these like puppets to do and making these like effects to do the thing that he literally gave himself exhaustion apparently he had to be hospitalized like a bunch during the filming of the movie because he was just this maniacal kid staying up in the like all hours of the night to work on this these effects in this creature and you know i feel bad for that guy but it really shows oh yeah that final product that even though it may seem a little bit cheesy now that movie is scary as fuck. Well, the effects still hold up, and that's yeah. a that's a good point. It's like these young, hungry people that they don't know what's not possible, so they don't have limits. Like they'll they'll try things that people have been in the business for a while. And like that can't be done. We can't do that. They'll they'll try and do it because they don't know any better. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I, I turned out I thought Escape from New York came after the thing. It came up before, but still, it's just, I think that point still stands is like, yeah, when you're young and hungry and you have a good idea and he has some money, but he doesn't necessarily have the biggest budget to fully execute his ideas, what's the best way possible? And he See, was I, just so honestly, good at that for the longest time. You know, I mean, you know, the thing about it is, is that, you know, I'm curious, you know, I mean, a $15 million budget, what, what kind of budget would that be for today? Is that like 45 million? Is that like 30? Is that like 50? Depends 60? on when, what you time know, period I mean, you're talking about, like you 80s? Know, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 15 million 80s money. So what would that be in today's money if he if he was given? But it's also the, tough because like you don't no one's make, getting fifteen million dollars for like any movie and like today's right. money you either right. get like a hundred million dollars yeah. or you get unless like you're one million. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. Your like, Blumhouse will give you five. At yeah. Most. yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and that's how it used to be. But if you look at his movies, like Escape from New York, $6 million budget, he brought in 25. He brought four times. So then they're like, okay, well, we'll up your budget in the next movie to 15. And then what ends up happening is they up them to 25 in Big Trouble in Little China, and it doesn't even make 11. So, mm. and that's kind of what the back, then he's tasked to start working backwards again and start getting lower budgets. Um, it's the old age, old studio system, but he was really working with small because when you're looking at like, look, let's look at like the abyss. I mean, that's a big, huge budget for after, you know, alien. I mean, what was aliens budget? Because that's after Terminator. So you're saying, okay, well, Terminator was successful or whatnot. We're going to give you this. They gave James Cameron, well, $18 million to make Aliens. Have you heard James Cameron's uh, pitch for Aliens? There's there's an interesting question. Have you heard this? Sorry. Have you heard this thing where he he went into, like, the boardroom and he just wrote Aliens, like, and then the S was just a dollar sign? (laughs) No. (laughs) But, like, with with the thing costing $13 million and Aliens costing $18 million, doesn't aliens look like worlds apart from the thing? Even though the thing is scary. I like the thing more. I'm just saying, like... I mean... I, I, I don't know if it does. Like, I think those effects in the thing still stand oh, up. Oh, they do. They're great. I, I mean, I'm a sucker for practical, but... You know, I, I'm just curious on, like... But, like, it, when you look at aliens, there's a lot of... I mean, I don't know. I'll have to, there I, you know. are, but he, he's smart about how he shoots it. Like anytime you see a bunch of them, it's always in the dark. That's you true. don't really That's see true. them. That's true. You that, know that, that is a valid point. Very valid. If you want a good uh, uh, docu series, uh, Light and Magic on Disney Plus, all about ILM. Okay, it's fantastic. I'll write that down. Light and Magic. All right. uh, it's a good. I'll check it out now that I have a recommendation because I, I was scrolling past it and I'm like, there's no way. Disney trying to toot its own horn is going to be good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really enjoyed the first like three or four because they were all about Star Wars, and then I just didn't really care after that. But big fan. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, my man, for joining us tonight. Oh, absolutely! Thanks for having me. It was it was a blast. Yeah, I always uh, have fun with you guys. You want to uh, play some Arnold? Play those Arnold clips again? Yeah. What do I got? Hey, Killian. <laughs> Here's Sub-Zero, now Plane Zero. That doesn't make any sense. What does that mean? <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. That's, that's nothing. It's can, you, can you find the YouTube clip of all of Arnold's bad puns in his Batman movie? Because there's a clip of them, and it's oh. it's so good. It's how, how bad it is. Oh. <laughs> what is it? It's, you said it's Arnold in, in it, Batman and Robin. Yeah, whatever that bad Clooney one. It yeah, it's just a clip of all of his um, ice puns and all of his cold puns. Oh, here we go, Mister Freeze puns right here. And of course, a BW three commercial before. We're not advertising for you, but uh, you know, I mean, again, Arnold is just is just ridiculous, and Mister Freeze is definitely here. It is. Here is Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I don't know why at the beginning of this they got him putting on the outfit. George Clooney. 
right. I don't think this is working. This did not turn out as well. There it is. There it okay. is. There okay. Here it is. Arnold had had such the Ice a, one's my favorite. <laughs> Arnold had such a good ability to like pick the best scripts with some of the best directors. I don't know how he did it. Like, I he's mean, got a business mind. He's That's he's true. so smart. Like, obviously, the ability to work with Cameron three times and then work with Verhoeven during his good stretch and work with he's John a, McTiernan. He's an actor too. Like, I've said it before, but like. I don't think he gets the credit because he's got that accent and it's hard to take him seriously sometimes, but he's got some acting chops. That dude is just so charismatic. He's so good. That too. <laughs> well, thank you again, Hans. Yeah, man. This is awesome. All right. What Come is... back anytime you have me. What is... You want to give out your Twitter handle? Uh, I personal is at Bastard Hans. Uh, our show, Action Movie Book Club, is at Action Movie BC on Twitter and Action Movie Book Club on Instagram. Uh, our website, Great. actionmoviebookclub.com. Um, John, John, John Wick episode, guys. John, oh, yeah. I just put that out today. John um, Wick. Oh, man. I, uh, I usually, JP's the actor, uh, so he usually gets the meaty scene reads. Um, and he, he gave me the I'm back one. Um, I like rehearsed it beforehand. Like I, I, I took it so seriously and uh, not to toot my own horn, but I murdered it. <laughs> very awesome. Thank well, you so thank much you for coming much. on. We really yeah. appreciate it. I am going to hound you to be on your podcast. Yeah. Since you guys I... are welcome anytime. Come up with a movie. And uh, if we haven't done. Dude, I, I did. And then. Then you ghosted me. Wait, what did you come up with? The Dark Knight. I, I thought I said that was good. Yeah. Now we got to do it. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad got, I'm glad that got solved. I, I have the attention span of like, I'm like a dog. Like, if, that's, like that's some, me too. if something's in front of me and like, this is the greatest thing ever, but if it's not right in front of my face, I don't, I forget it exists. Adam actually has been calling me every night crying about this. So you got to get him on there. Please. Please <laughs> we, we've on. only, the only Nolan Batman we've done is uh, the third one. Um, it, and, it, and it's really just an hour and a half of me doing a terrible Bane impression. When he's going to be on the show, I'm going to knock at your front door dressed as Batman. It's going to be really uh, crazy. So be ready. Well, we do video so we can capture it all. <laughs> awesome. Take care my man. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, man. Thank you. you guys. Later. Bye. All right. All right. Technical difficulties aside, which no one will ever know because Tony's a master editor. <laughs> I hope so tonight. I hope we, we have it all. But uh, we wanted to end this podcast talking about two newish movies that Tony and I saw. Uh, one of which we mentioned on the podcast, which was Everything Everywhere All at Once. And then also wanted to discuss and probably was perfect for our guests. Uh, Nicholas Cage's latest, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, we'll go everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. 
All right. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once is a 2022 film directed by directing tandem that call themselves the Daniels. Um, they also did Swiss Army Man, which I couldn't get through because there's too much farting corpses. <laughs> um, starring Michelle Yeoh. Um, what did you think of the movie? I thought it was really good. I thought it was really original. I mean, these aren't generally like uh, these aren't my type favorite type of movies. So um, for me to be interested in the first place, um, but I watched her on a, a talk show when she did this movie and I liked what I saw. So I thought I'd give it a chance. Um, um, you know, I, I liked it though. Um, it's produced by the Russo brothers, which is interesting. I was unaware yeah, so... that they produced it. <clears throat> If you don't like know what it is, it's Michelle Yeoh plays this. Um, you know, she's a, a struggling immigrant. She owns a laundromat. Her marriage starts to fall apart. She kind of has a not so great relationship with her um, teenage daughter, and uh, is getting audited. Played an auditor played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and then you know when she's in the audit, strange things start happening. Her husband you know, tells her that he's a different person, that he's from a different multiverse. And it kind of kicks off this whole multiversal story where at the beginning, there's a lot of elements of the Matrix. I don't know if you felt that, but Michelle Yeoh's character yeah. essentially like has to become the one. Yes. Um, and you know, she starts to see these different, multi like she has to pull these skills from different multiversal versions of herself so as we mentioned in the podcast one of those versions is martial arts we're in a different you know everything like every decision has a different reaction it sets her off on a different path and in one of these timelines you see her um she breaks off and she becomes this huge movie star and becomes a huge action star and because she became an action star she like knows kung fu so then she like learns kung fu um and it, it's all done with the style of the Daniels. You can definitely tell they're, they have humor. Like there are fart jokes in it. There's a, <laughs> a scene where people try to stick things up their butt. Um, and I really like movies that have like these own different style to it. Like they really shine through. And But as I was, you know, I texted you, one of my main problems is that the entire first act is basically an exposition dump yeah. Um, because there's so many rules to this world. They have to set up the different universes. They have to set up like what they call verse jumping. Um, it does, and it, it moves pretty quickly too. Like it doesn't hold your hand, which I actually did appreciate, you know, on some level, but also like it got to the point where like that stuff kind of frustrates me. But then once this, you know, it got to the second act and once they got all the rules out of the way and it essentially became a family drama, you know, essentially was a way for Michelle Yell's character to deal with like her husband and her father and her daughter. And, like a really like they take everything bagel very, very literally. It's literally everything on a bagel. Um, <laughs> I really liked her father is the bad guy in Big Trouble in Little China, James Hong. He, he did a good job in the movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it too. She wasn't terrible. Jenny Slate. Did you like Jenny Slate in it? Yeah, I mean, Jenny Slate was fine. Um, 
I mean, nothing against her. I thought the actor who played her husband was like really good, who played Wayland. Yes, yes, he was. I thought he was excellent. You know, James Wong, I feel like had a little bit of a resurgence because he's been in a buttload of movies. Oh, yeah. Like he's been acting for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. And but because, you know, he was Asian in Hollywood in the 80s, you know, it's not like he was getting leading roles. Um, he had a lot of supporting roles, had a lot of like roles that were pretty racist looking back on it. Oh, yeah. Um, and like, so the movie very smartly like plays on this Chinese immigration, immigrant story um and at the end it, it, it worked out really well like you know hans mentioned it's one of his favorite movies of the year and favorite movies in a long time and he wasn't the first person who i've heard that from oh i've heard and this quite a few. yeah and you've i think you've talked about this too where when a movie's built up as like being super amazing it's like not gonna necessarily live up to it yeah but then there's like it's a catch twenty two because I don't think you or I would have like seen this movie if we didn't hear a lot of people say, no. No. like I wish this this movie like was just a movie I discovered on my own. Like I wish like it was one of those things where oh I like Swiss Army Man and these guys did a new movie, I'll check it out. Um, so I I do admit I came in with a little bit of baggage on that too, but like I also a hundred percent see why people like Hans and why a lot of people are calling this like an incredible movie one of the best of the year because it's super inventive and creative and really smart and I'm glad they got like they got I think like 30 million dollars to do this movie which you know I know we were recently just talking about you know budgets and whatnot but you don't it's like hard to get 30 million dollars to make a movie nowadays um a24 which did this movie is one of the few studios that are actually giving out that kind of dough and like i'm really glad it did i I think it's definitely made its money back um which is really good because you know these these movies like they're 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 essentially like becoming netflix movies like if you want 25 million dollars to make a movie and chances are if it's a netflix movie it's not going to be very good yeah Um, i think she did a really good job yeah michelle yo i mean playing you know you know you know, I, I get you don't get these roles very often, I guess. Uh, you know, a, a good role for her to, I mean, she's in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That was, a, I like that movie a lot. I remember seeing that in the theater. Um, did you notice that, like, when they were, when they first introduced the actress version of the character, uh, like, you actually saw literally Michelle Yell's actual career? There's like a moment where she's like standing on the red carpet for crazy rich Asians. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Um, but overall, like you said, it, I mean, it was it was definitely serviceable. But you're right when they build movies up like this, it does take a little bit away from it when you first see it, as opposed to if you just were to come across it. Um, I guess I'm looking at it here that it was originally written for Jackie Chan. Yeah, you um, could 100 percent see Jackie Chan in the her husband role. Yeah, and there was even a moment at the very beginning where it's a really fun fight scene where he uses a fanny pack as a weapon that actually felt very Jackie Chan-ish. I actually like remember thinking like, was Jackie Chan not available? Well, yeah, he actually I mean, might have turned it down, but but uh, I mean, he did a great job too. That guy, but it definitely, definitely felt Jackie Chan-ish. So, what did you feel about the next one we're going to talk about? Yeah, the next movie is um, the unbreakable or the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, who directed this? Let me pull that up. Tom Gorman. Tom Gormican is his name. It doesn't look like he's done anything. Okay. Of, of... 
so it definitely plays upon the career of Nicolas Cage. Like, not only do they watch Nicolas Cage movies in it, I mean, Nicolas Cage is playing himself, um, but there's also some really fun references. Like, they make a Not the Bees joke at the very end, which I quite enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Um, but the movie is also, like, purposefully meta. And sometimes it didn't always work well. Like, I think the, the, the you know, the main through line is, like, the, like one, to me, is its, its weakest part of like so Nicolas Cage gets invited to um, a weekend to stay with this like super rich guy in Spain played by Pedro Pascal and then early on it's revealed that uh, he's like a drug kingpin that's why he's like super rich and why he can afford to pay for Nicolas Cage to come to his like birthday party so there's this through line throughout the entire movie of like this guy's a drug kingpin like keeping a kidnapped girl in his uh, house, and then like at the very end, there's like a sh- like the whole third act is like the shootout, um, you know, from the kidnapping. But they even like reference that in the movie how it doesn't fit with the movie, and it weirdly doesn't fit in the actual movie. <laughs> um, so it's like the the whole Nicolas Cage meta stuff I really liked, and like Nicolas Cage is obviously great. Um, I just wish they took this really smart idea and executed it better because it ended up turning into like an action movie which i felt like it didn't need to yeah i like it's like one of those movies for me where it's like everything's supposed to come together greatly and i don't know i don't know if it just didn't for me not that it was terrible because it wasn't it was it was a good movie it just i don't know it was a little too it was too much i think and I love Nicolas Cage, but it's like they're throwing it in your face over and over and over, which is which is fine. I get that's the part of the movie. But when you look at something like uh, being John Malkovich or even adaptation, adaptation, perfect example. Um, this just was kind of like and not only that, I, I didn't like the way it was like filmed. I don't know. It came across as like cheap a little bit, but that, you know, I could be wrong. Um it didn't. It didn't look. I don't know. Something was missing from it, um, but that could just be me. It was fun. It does have, like I said, a lot of good. You know, Ike Barinholtz, Tiffany Haddish, Neil Patrick well, Harris. Like, I wish. I wish they they like ninety six like the whole Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish stuff. Like I don't know why they could have made it like you know Pedro Pascal is is like legitimately a rich dude like who just wants to make a movie with like Nicolas Cage because that was like the elements that I liked because it was able to riff on Nicolas Cage's career but like because they added that whole CIA plot line and like I know Nicolas Cage has made a lot of action movies in his day but I don't know do you consider Nicolas Cage like an action movie star it's like I guess is that the first thing you think of when you think of Nicolas Cage because to me it's not it's not Nicolas Cage I mean Nicolas Cage has got action movies but he also reminds me a lot of what we described Gerard Butler. I mean, he could be in other stuff too. He's done drama. I mean, Living Las Vegas was up for Academy Awards. Um, I was looking at it earlier. I forgot he started in Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead. Um, he's not straight action, but like what he's become is like you mentioned about uh, what's his name earlier, Bruce Willis is straight to DVDs or movie collection. Nicholas Cage is rivaling him. I mean, um, his movies are just, 
there are a lot. I will say Nicolas Cage is, is I think, just making smaller movies. I mean, but, but like, you think these are? I mean, yes, you're right. They're better than than. But do you think these are like? Did you see Pig? No, but from what I understand, it is like supposed like pretty good, it, it, and like it, it is like a. It is but serious it's also movie. Like. You know, it's not action, obviously. Is so back to that point. It's good, but it's good. Yeah, I heard it's like a, a character. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is like, I feel like if Nicolas Cage was more like Arnold Schwarzenegger, where if he was more like known for being an action star first, the action stuff would have made more sense. But like, I wish they had just like they could have just made that a set piece, like playing off his action roles. Like if you're trying to do a movie within a movie. You know, you can do like a fun car chase scene maybe for like Gone 60 Seconds or something, but I just didn't like how it devolved into an action movie, and especially it didn't help when the movie itself commented on how it was a bad idea. Like, that's what was weird to me, is that like, you knew it was a bad idea, yet you made that your movie. It was just... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there. like I said, I mean, there were, there were things, there were pieces missing from it. Um... I like the Paddington too. At the end, was kind of, um, you know, that was kind of mixed in there. Yeah, when you when you posted this on Twitter, like someone did a Paddington two gift yeah. underneath yeah. it. Like, it it was a, a fun joke, and like, I, you know, what was also weird is like the stuff of like Neil Patrick Harris playing his agent. It was like Sharon Horgan playing his ex wife. Yeah, like that actually threw me off. Like, because you're you're setting this in a world where we're watching Nick Cage. And maybe like the Pedro Pascal would have been fine, but actually like filling the bit parts with famous actors, I actually didn't think was a good idea. Like I don't know, just can you get his real? I guess maybe you couldn't have gotten his real ex-wife, but I bet she could have gotten his agent or just do like the movie was going to be sold on Nicolas Cage. Like you didn't need Neil Patrick Harris to you know put on the poster per se to sell this movie. Get someone else so like it actually was more believable that that was his agent, especially considering he's in like two scenes. That's true. I definitely agree. But weirdly, yeah. like I did like like I rented this on Redbox for like two bucks, uh, and to me it was a hundred percent worth the rental. So like, as yeah. much as like I had problems with it, I still enjoyed myself. Yeah, I mean, I I went up to the local library and, and rented it for free, so I wasn't like I was I was invested a lot. But I wanted to see it. It was probably the only one that's kind of escaped me that I hadn't seen. But I'm glad I watched it. It's just um, like, did you watch the one with um, Bob Odenkirk? What was that? Nope. Was nope that nobody. Nope? Nobody. Did you like that one? Um, I. The reason I think we talked about it, the reason I didn't like nobody so much is because like the the trailers made it seem like it was John Wick, yeah. and I didn't like the actual premise where, yeah. Yeah, like, no, I, I thought. I thought like the premise was that he was like this nobody who then like trained like because that is its own trope in and of itself of like you killed my family now I'm going to train for two years and come back and we'll kill you <laughs> like I thought it was going to be a riff on that so because it wasn't it kind of bummed me out like I, I couldn't buy into the premise so I had a hard time buying into the movie as much outside of that awesome bus fight sequence I mean that's kind of how I like this movie with Nicolas Cage it's definitely like it's getting really good reviews. A lot of people love it. Um, but something was missing. I don't know what it was. I think it was pretty much everything that you just said, pretty much hit it on the, hit it on the tail. A little less of this and a little more of that would have made it a better movie, I think. All right. Anyways, this has been fun. I have to go. 
What Thank uh, you. what James Bond movie are, are you going to be talking about after this? Oh, we are talking about today. We are talking about Moonraker, a classic. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thank you, my man. All right. This was a fun podcast. It's a shame we had so many technical difficulties. Hopefully it doesn't show up too bad in the actual show. I don't envy your editing that you have to do. But uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for sticking with us, for listening. I always love Hans and, and JP. I love their, their podcast, the Action Movie Book Club. Um, and, 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 and I want to let you know right now, he is, he is working on a time for... Uh, and I'm going to make this happen for you. We're doing Batman, my friend. All right, sounds good. Um, All right. <laughs> my name is Adam. You can find me on Twitter at Millennial Socks. He's Tony. You can find him on Twitter at Charles01. This podcast is a hookup on film. Find us at the the hookup 18. You can find this podcast on Amazon, Spotify, and Apple. It's always great talking to you, Tony. I will talk to you next week. Sounds good, my man. Take care. Alright, welcome to our James Bond segment for today. Got some good stuff. We've got uh, two films today that we um, took a look at and watched. The very first one was Moonraker, a 1979 uh, production. Amazing, amazing movie. Louis Gilbert directed it. This one actually... Um, when I was young, I saw the name and I saw Bond was in space. And generally when Jason goes to space or Critters or Leprechauns or generally any film goes to space, that usually means that they've run out of ideas. But in this particular movie, um, I think it really hit the nail on for what they were doing. It's an amazing um, science fiction action movie. Also starring Louise Childs, Michael Lyons, Lonsdale, Richard Keel is back as Jaws. Um, Louise Childs, really quick, before I started watching this movie, I looked her up, and, um, she is in Creepshow 2 in the last segment. Hey, lady, thanks. Thanks for the ride. Did not know she was in this until I started watching it. Really, really, again, awesome, awesome movie. I really enjoyed a lot of, um, the visuals. What it is is Bond investigates the theft of a space shuttle's manufacture uh, theft of a space shuttle lending hi- leading him to Hugo Drax. That is who is played by Michael Lonsdale, amazing character. I enjoyed him a lot in this movie. Um, again, he investigates the theft of a space shuttle. The owner of the uh, the owner of the the manufacturing firm, along with scientist Dr. Holly Goodhead, Bond follows a trail from California to Venice. Rio de Janeiro, the Amazon rainforest, and finally into outer space to prevent a plot to wipe out the world population and create humanity with a master race. Yeah, that's pretty much what I took from it. And um, it's a lot more, too. That is very just just some sentences put together to explain the movie to you guys. But the reality is, is this movie was loaded with pretty cool special effects. Um, I believe that they probably made this movie... You know, because of Star Wars and stuff like that. It was Bernard Lee's final outing as M. 
Um, he was supposed to be in the next movie we're going to talk about, but unfortunately, um, he got sick and passed away before that was able to happen. Um, like I was saying, I had a feeling, and this was, of course, um, because of Star Wars, the producers chose the novel Moonraker um, because they figured, well, hey, uh, Star Wars is in space, successful, let's go to space. Um, Ian Fleming had originally intended the novel to be made into a film even before he began writing it. So immediately this film was something that was meant to be made into a movie. And you could tell the production of this movie is pretty huge compared to some past Bond movies. $34 million budget took in about $210.3 million. Um, again, uh, Richard Keel is Jaws. Um, amazing. I really wish there was more Richard Keel in a lot more of these Bond movies because he's great. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. And he really does a really good job. Um, Blanche Revelek plays Dolly, his girlfriend in the movie. Very, very cool to see Jaws have a girlfriend. And, of course, the start of the movie, he's going after Bond. You know, he wants to take him down because he has been hired by Hugo Drax, Michael Lonsdale's character. And there's some really funny, some, some, some interaction between that. But by the end, they decide to team up to try to take down Hugo. And without giving anything away, um, a very, very fun, fun movie. And overall, I really, really enjoyed Moonraker. Um, after I was done watching Moonraker, I decided to watch the next one. For Your Eyes Only, a 1981 film. The first one directed by John Glenn, who I guess directs a lot more, but we'll continue talking about him as we go along. This movie, For Your Eyes Only, kind of reminded me a lot of like those, uh, you know, straight, it's just straight spy espionage um, movie. You know, it's based on two short stories, For Your Eyes Only and Resisco. Um, Bond attempts to locate a missile command system while becoming tangled in a web of dispatches spun by rival Greek businessmen along with Melania Havelock. Um, a lot of the movie was inspired by Live and Let Die, Goldfinger, and Han Her Majesty's Secret Service. So you could get a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for in this movie? It's, it's James Bond spy, whereas Moonraker was full of gadgets and, and, and cool locales. Um, this movie is just a straight-up spy movie. Um, they wanted to get back to um, revenge than the fantasy narrative that was in the past movie. Um, the movie, again, stars Carola Boquette, uh, Topol, Lynn Holly Johnson, uh, Julian Glover, Cassandra Harris, before I uh, get started talking about this movie a little bit, and again, this budget was a lot less than Moonraker, $28 million, and it took in $195.3 million. Um, first, it started to be that during this production, they started selling different uh, trinkets and stuff to start hammering home on some of that um, licensing and merchandising. They, um, of course, even Marvel Comics did a comic book that you could check out if you get some time really interesting um 
out of the gate, though, watching this movie compared to Moonraker, it didn't excite me as much. Um, some contemporary reviews call it too long and pretty boring between the stunts. Although the stunts are of high quality, um, that was said by um, a reviewer. I can't imagine that, you know, I don't understand. Well, I mean, you can only get so big. It's like recording an album that you would want to not. I mean, this movie is still a good movie by all respects. It just didn't hit me the way Moonraker hit me. Um, it seemed a little bit. Oh, I use the words meat and potatoes. I wasn't a huge fan of the cast, to be honest with you. Um, Carol Boquette, I don't think, did as good of a job as um, Louise did in um, Moonraker. You know, I mean, you're, you're expecting, um, when you make movies and sequels, you're expecting a little bit of a, 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 a moving up. And I just don't feel like this movie did that um, too much. But again, in, in staying with the plot, it, it was exciting. There's some very cool um, visuals at the end. There's some mountain scenes on the side of a cliff that kind of remind me a little bit of some cliffhanger type of stuff, some pre-cliffhanger. Um, it, it just, you know, again, not bad. Worth watching in, in the series. You know, um, again... I do believe that as you're watching these James Bond movies, as I'm watching Roger Moore, I'm beginning to appreciate him more and more in these movies. Um, I used to be a guy who just thought it was Sean Connery was the best James Bond. But now after watching some of these last movies, especially Moonraker, um, Live and Let Die, you know, these ones where, where he takes off in these different locales, I really definitely enjoy it. Um, Next week, we will be uh, more, I think we're wrapping up Roger Moore. And we also got uh, not really part of the series, but also, I guess, Sean Connery makes a return to a film, and we'll check that out. So thank you so much for joining us for our little James Bond segment. Well, that hit the spot. Wow, what a great show tonight. Thank you so much again to Action Book Movie Club, Hans and JP for joining us. Really, really, really great time. Again, thank you to my co-host, Adam, every week. Such an awesome, awesome experience. A couple things really quick before we end up um, unfortunately having to I'll go. Be back. But don't worry, we will, we will be back. And we always thank you, thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, a couple things really quick. Um... A movie that takes place on water that uh, that was not said that I enjoyed the last couple couple years ago. Blake Lively was in the shallows. Um, shallows. It was a very good shot. Excellent. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. So if you get a chance, check that movie out. On to Billy Bob Thornton. Um, a couple movies of his that we did not bring up that are always awesome. If you want to go back and check out is Sam Raimi's A Simple Plan where he, earlier we talked about him and Bill Paxton teaming up. This is another film where he teams up with Bill Paxton. Really, really awesome. Bridget Fonda, really, really great movie. Um, Lumberg is in it. The great Gary Cole from Office Space, really worth checking out. Another one he was really good in a couple years ago, it came out. It's called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, 
with Tina Fey. Um, she's it's a, a little bit of a comedy, a little bit of a drama. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. He was great as a general, playing, of course, what he usually plays, the same type of character, but still a great movie. Definitely, definitely, definitely worth checking out. Um, you always trust got, me. You always could trust trust us. Trust me. Um, Absolutely. This time you can count on me. All right, and really quick to wrap up on John Carpenter. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome expose on him. We covered a lot. Um, some movies that we did not talk about: uh, Starman, a really awesome, awesome um, early '80s sci-fi movie with Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. If you have um, seen Midnight Special with Michael Shannon, this movie kind of gives off those same vibes. Definitely worth going back and checking out um, Jeff Bridges in Starman. And a personal, personal favorite that is hold closely dear and near to my heart is Stephen King's Christine, a really classic tale about a car that uh, unfortunately um, wants to get rid of people. Um, when I had a car in high school... I named it Christine because it kept breaking down. And one time when I was going down a hill, the car seemed to die out. So I was thinking it was trying to take me. But, uh... No, it is not true. Yeah, uh, you know, it did not take me. You know, I cannot, uh... You used to be somebody I could trust. You know, but it, I am still here. So that's good. Absolutely. This time you can count on me. So always, thank you so much again for joining us. And again, thank you so much for the Action Book Movie Club for joining us, Hans and JP. Um, we will always... We'll be back. We'll be back. And we will see you again next week. We are the hookup on film. Hasta la vista, baby. And we thank you so much for joining us. Goodbye. Have a good week. <laughs>